The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. Hi, everybody, wherever you are in the world. So there, um, I checked er earlier this afternoon and there weren't any uh, questions that had been submitted this week. But there was a question that came up earlier in the week in conversations with other people. So I, it felt like a useful question to address. And so I wanted to, to speak to that. But I also wanted to mention um, somebody, and I don't see that person here, but um, one, one person left a question about recommendations that I might make for books. And uh, the only way that I knew to get that to you was to put it up as a document attached to the, the recording. And so I did that last week, and I will do it again this week. Um, and just hope that whoever it is that submitted that hears this and checks the checks the uh, the Audio Dharma website. I, I think that's the only way to get it is if you actually log into Audio Dharma and look at look at the documents and things that are attached to uh, to the recording. So I'll put that on this week too. So the question that came up uh, earlier this week in relation to everything that's happening just it's so it's so painful um, I mean you know kind of a a place of heartbreak it feels so painful to see what's happening but also you know there is there is some beauty too um, with all of the all of the um, the protests and just the the some hope that's coming that maybe this, that this actually will be something that changes, that, that there is some change that, that will happen around particularly police brutality. And may no, no one ever have to die in the way George Floyd died ever again. And in this, uh, the question that came up was kind of this urge or this sense of wanting to do something, you know, to act, to, to participate in some way and, and not, not feeling sure exactly how to do that. In particular, for someone, and the question came from somebody who um, is quarantined with somebody who somebody else who is at high risk and so going out into the streets to to, to protest um, felt too risky for this person and so um, they said I can't do anything and I, I wanted to question that um, what you know what does it mean you know, to say I can't do anything right now and uh, that to me maybe betrays that there's some idea about what doing something would look like and that there may be possibilities of 
many different ways of acting. Protesting is one form of acting, and it is a beautiful expression when it's done peacefully without harming others. The Buddha actually took this step in, 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 in a situation. Um, there was a war in his home area. He, he went back to visit in his home area and there was a war going on or kind of in progress or kind of amping up uh, over water rights. And the Buddha went out and stood in the middle of the battlefield, I understand to try to stop the war. And it did have an effect while he was standing in the middle of the battlefield. But unfortunately, as soon as he left the battlefield, it started up again. But he did that, he, he, he took that action. And so that's a kind of an example for us that this kind of, of action can be done it's not, it's not antithetical to Buddhist practice to do this kind of thing. I just wanted to say that because sometimes people think of Buddhist practice as being a purely inward kind of expression. And uh, the, the Eightfold Path includes wise action, primarily as things to not engage in, but, but the, the, the intention that comes with the Eightfold Path, wise intention that's motivated out of wise view, this is a motivating force. And so compassion, compassion can be a motivator for us. Compassion, that feeling of wanting to do something, that can be coming from compassion. And that, that's a beautiful, a beautiful expression, a beautiful emotion to, to follow. And yet to not have kind of a limited idea about what that expression needs to look like or should look like. We, we may have some ideas about that. So getting out into the streets is one form, perhaps, of that expression of that compassion. But there are other, other forms. Um, I, I saw a, a beautiful expression of this compassion from, from Trevor Noah. Some of you may have seen his... Uh, his reflection on, on um, the death of George Floyd and kind of the circumstances, the protests, and just a whole reflection. It was beautiful. And he was, you know, sitting in his room, you know, just talking to the camera. You know, that, that, that as a form of, of expression, of, of, uh, what to do, something to do at this time. And so it doesn't have to be getting out on the street. There can be other expressions. Now, not all of us have that platform that Trevor Noah has, but, um, but then there's other, other expressions too, um, talking to families and friends about the situation, especially if, if families have different views or perspectives, opening the conversation, opening the dialogue. Witnessing is a form of uh, action in a way too. Actually, not like like opening up the news and taking in what's happening. That is also an action. To not shut your mind to it, to not say I'm not going to look, to to take it in. That, that witnessing witnessing too is a form of something that we can do. 
and reflecting, trying to understand the situation, both externally, trying to understand the conditions of the world, that lead to this in this time. And I reflected on that on Tuesday morning, so I won't, I won't aim my reflections at that tonight, but the other side of, of this reflection of trying to understand what's happening is an inward reflection. And how, how, um, how do our, um, the conditioning of our own hearts and minds, how does this, play out in what's happening in the larger scale. Because what's happening in the larger scale is really, and we could, we could call it like a combination or a, a multiplication perhaps of all of the messiness that's going on in our individual minds as it bumps up against each other. And so this, uh, this, this looking inward is also a way to kind of reflect on what's happening. So trying to understand internally, how do our conditions, our, how our habits, our views, our beliefs, how are they a reflection of what's happening, reflected in what's happening? And so this is a place I'd like to, I'd like to just explore it from this perspective to, to look at the possibility of an action that we can take that is not actually a small action. But an action that we can take is to look at our own experience and begin to see, are there patterns of delusion, of habits of way that we are, that contribute in ways or are contributed to by the situation? So one of those, um, you know, the things that there's, there's so many different ways in to talk about what we can explore internally. But um, um, one of the one of the things that I've been looking at some of the teachings the Buddha offers, and and he said, and one of the things he he points to in terms of conflict is that views are a root of conflict. Views, attachment to views, actually not so much views themselves, if we can understand and hold views as views and not cling to them as truth, as the only way, like mostly what, what, what often happens when we're holding the view is that, um, and we believe the view, when we believe the view, often we don't even see that we have the view. It is simply what we take to be true. And these views are given to us by many of these views, not all of them. Some of the views, some of our views are kind of sculpted and created by our experience or interaction with the world. Um, but some of these views, many of these views are given to us by how our, um, how our families are, how our families treat us, what, what, uh, what they, what they say, what they do. I was looking at some quotes. I don't think I have them here. Let's see. No, I don't have them here. But I was looking at some quotes by, by James Baldwin. Um, 
I've been reading some things about James Baldwin uh, in the last few days. And um, one of the quotes he said was something like, children don't often like to listen to what their parents say, but they do what their parents do. This is how views get, get, get transmitted to us more often through how we engage with, with each other, how our parents uh, engage with each other and engage with other people in our, in our, in our world. And so these, these um, ideas, these views kind of come in below our conscious level of awareness even. And so they're, they're kind of subconscious sometimes. But they can be, they can be unearthed through curiosity of, um, you know, what, what's happening right now? How, how am I in relationship to the world? And what are the beliefs at work? What are the beliefs at play? Sometimes what's happening is there's some kind of emotional reaction to the world, some kind of emotional response to something. And that emotional response isn't actually to something in the world. It's connected to some view we have about what's happening. And so views are a, 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 a main source of how people kind of engage in conflict. People holding different views will, uh, may um, kind of run up against each other. And, and, and very much, I think, this is some of what's happening, is, is the holding of different views. And many of these views not really clearly seen. And within, within the realm of views, um, there's a particular aspect of view that the Buddha speaks about that I want to kind of aim at for a, a short reflection this evening. And that is uh, identity view, a sense of self, the sense of me as a person in the world. This is understood as a view, kind of an idea or a concept. And uh, another side of that, many, many of the, uh, much of the suffering and pain that we, um, that happens in the world has to do with me holding on to a particular perspective of who I am, what I am. And it, it, it can be that we're holding on to that perspective um, in terms of, like, for myself, I held on to a perspective that I was no good, and that was suffering right there. But then we can hold on to a perspective of I need something or I deserve something, or, and then we don't get, get something, and we, we are frustrated or angry or confused by, by not getting that. Thing. And so there's, there's ways in which we, uh, that suffering comes from the sense of identifying, identifying with a, a being a particular person or a particular way, a particular um, kind of person or identifying with our emotions or our bodies. There's so many different ways that we identify. But there's another flavor of, of selfing that you know, I don't believe is talked about in the suttas. So I'm, I'm going a little bit beyond what, uh, you know, what the Buddha talks about. But um, it feels to me like it is kind of connected and we can see that when there is a kind of a separation between self and other, when we are identifying somebody as other, 
othering. We could talk about it as othering. We think of our, ourselves as selfing. You know, we, we engage in the activity of selfing. Well, we also engage in the activity of othering. And this, this process, it's, you know, it's, um, it's, it's, it's actually sometimes easier to see than selfing because in, in our minds, you know, there, there can be this, um, these thoughts come up of they, them, you know, when they and them, those words, they and them come up in our mind, that's kind of a, a kind of a, at least to check in, is there some kind of separation going on? Because as soon as an other springs up, there is an I in relationship to it. And so othering is a kind of a, an indirect form of selfing. There's a separation there. There's a, um, a sense of uh, reifying somebody as a particular way, who they are, what they're capable of, what they're doing. And we can other in... Um, in individuals, you know, that, that we, can, we might have a particular relationship to a, an individual in which we, we kind of have a separation from them and maybe don't like some of the things they're doing and we kind of have a them in, in mind. Why are they doing that thing to me? You know, so, so there's that kind of othering that can happen. So the othering creates a feeling of, uh, or a sense of separation, of disconnection, and can create a place where we uh, almost can not see somebody as human. Sometimes that can happen in that, in that othering. If the, if the separation is big enough, we might, uh, we might deny somebody's humanity. There's another way of othering that I think is a big part of what's going on right now, and that's othering in terms of, um, you know, it's often othering is based not only on individual to individual, but is based on the idea of somebody um, or somebody being a part of another group, a different tribe, a different, um, you know, different, different culture. And so we, we tend to, I think, and this is, this is something that um, I've read about in, in various books. One book I really appreciated, uh, Deep Diversity by Shekhiel Shudri, who talks about this in terms of tribes, that, that we, we tend to you know, have a tribe when we grow up. He used that word tribe. And that tribe is like who we grow up with, who the people are that we, we are surrounded by when we grow up, the people that we learn to be comfortable with. They tend to be people that look like us. They tend to be people, and because we're growing up with them, they, we tend to um, kind of absorb their values and their, their ideas and their biases. And so we, we kind of, a tribe gets created of the us's. And then we meet somebody who doesn't kind of fit in that and they become a them, you know, somebody other. This kind of um, separation or this kind of othering, this kind of separation around tribes can happen, you know, based on skin color, gender, perceived economic um, or educational status. 
It might happen based on body language or accent or sexual orientation. So many of the isms that we come up against in, in, our, uh, in our lives are related to this kind of, you know, that, that we've started our lives in a, in a little tribe and got comfortable there. And then it's, it's, it's kind of um, scary a little bit, perhaps, or unfamiliar to step out of that tribe. And so we, we create ideas about the other, the differences. And often our response in this kind of a situation is to gravitate towards those that are similar to us and to, um, to pull away for the, from those who, who are kind of perceived as different from us. So there's that kind of movement. We all do this. This is kind of, in some ways, and this is what I particularly appreciated about Shaquille Shudri's perspective on this sense of othering, is that... Um, it's natural. It's part of our human kind of conditioning that what we're exposed to, we get familiar with and we feel comfortable with. And when there's something new, we don't feel comfortable with that. This is, this is human. This is, this is normal. And yet it also can create these divisions between us. And so what, what I think is incumbent on us is to begin to become aware of when we're, we're doing this. It's so easy to not be aware of it, to not, to not recognize that we are kind of orienting to a particular perspective based on our, our tribal upbringing, our, our sense of our, our people, our group. This kind of, uh, of othering is, um, you know, a, at root so much of the suffering that's happening, especially right now, the the race relations in the United States are so uh, well in some ways I feel like maybe there's maybe there's some hope in some ways because it's been it's been bad for a long time. It's just more obviously bad right now. So maybe we're actually starting to see it. Nothing can really be um transformed unless it's seen. And this is what mindfulness is, this seeing, this, this witnessing. And so this is, this is a piece I want to just kind of explore just briefly here. Um, what does it mean to explore this othering? You know, this, this aspect of selfing, this aspect of, of um, identity view and in some ways, maybe the Buddha talked about this. It's a little bit of a stretch, but he did talk in the Satipatthana Sutta of exploring experience internally and externally. And so that's maybe a way that we can look at this. Are we, are we aware of exploring the external experience in terms of other people's experience? And that we are creating this separation, that this, this dynamic of separation happens. And so, you know, this, this is a process that happens, but how, how, what, where are the ways that we other? What are the, 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 the ways in which we create the separation? And this takes some honesty because it is hard. It's hard to see this and not have sometimes a feeling of shame or um, 
you know, when, if we see that we have this othering and that in particular we have judgment or, um, or, you know, dislike or anger or, you know, or some kind of sense of fear in that, in that separation, you know, it, 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 it can, it can be humbling to see this. Be very humbling to see this, and yet we need to see it. Seeing it is the way towards its healing. And if we can see it, each of us can see it. If each of us can begin to to change, shift our relationship towards our what's a good word for this? Um, our the others that we. Um, that we demonize or that we create a problem, problem, you know, we make problems about. If we, can, if we can start to see this and not shy away from it, but begin to look at it, to begin to see, oh, this is what it's like. This is the experience. These are the judgments that are here. These are the emotions that arise with this. this these things flit through all the time. It doesn't happen as much for me right now because I'm not seeing people very much. But, but you know, at at at, at certain times in my in my um, exploration of this, you know, I would be walking around the neighborhood and and see somebody who looked a little different and just have this little flit of a like, oh, better be careful. You know, just or or see see somebody who looked like a. Uh, a strong, big guy, and it's like, well, better be careful. Maybe I'll go on the other side of the street. You know, just just things like that. Just little, like, you know, very quick. You know, without knowing anything about the person, about them. There's, a, there's, it's, it's not about that individual. It's about the group that that we've put them in. People who look like that are this kind of person, or might be that kind of person. Maybe not they are, but they might be. And so I need to. So I judge them in, in some way and, and sense of me being in danger. This is, this is that, you know, some of that selfing and othering, how they, they come as a dynamic. And they, they can flip through just in the subtlest little like movement of, oh, be careful, or just a little bit of stepping back. And, and so if we're not really open to seeing this, we won't see it. It's so easy to not see sometimes. Sometimes it's really obvious. But there's a lot of these, these otherings that happen just, just below the surface, just like little flits. And so kind of just noticing, you know, a, a place to begin to look. It's just the, the little, like, subtle emotional things that happen when you see somebody that you don't know, but you have an emotional response to them. You know, somebody that is just a stranger to you and you have an emotional response. That is almost certainly about some kind of othering, some kind of view that you have of them, not anything that they are doing. Now, there may be something. I mean, sometimes people do things and we form a judgment about them in what they're doing. But often it's, it's just because they have a particular body type or a particular skin color or they're dressed a particular way or something that we then have a whole set of associations that go along with that. So the, the othering not only comes with the sense of, of separation of, of they're a different kind of person, but a whole bunch of views and opinions and ideas and beliefs that go along with that. 
that we then react to. And so, you know, if, if we feel a little like subtle, like oh, emotional fl flutter when we see a stranger, that's worth checking into. You know, what is that? What's going on there? And maybe curiosity, not about just the emotion, but what's the belief? What's being believed there? You know, if there's enough, if there's enough of a presence of mind to kind of check in and say, "Oh, wow, there's a there's an, a, a response," that's interesting. What what's the belief that's under it? Because often those emotional those emotional flutterings are usually responding to some view more than they're actually responding to the to the person that we have othered. It's the view, the othering view, that's actually being responded to. And so what is it? Begin to expose it. This, again, the exposing of this is where, is where the transformation can start to happen. And to just really kind of hold it in, in the way that, you know, this is a, this is a journey. It's a, it's a process of, of exploration. It's, Seeing it once or twice is not going to uh, probably change the pattern, but it does have a transformative power over time. There's one, one um, uh, reflection, one trick or tool that I learned from this book, um, Deep Diversity, that I mentioned earlier, um, uh, that, that the, the Shaquille suggested that when, you, when you're othering somebody, you know, then you're not noticing that you're othering and based on a group, for instance, when you're othering, then, you know, basically you're seeing them from the perspective of the group, not as an individual. And so a little tiny question in the mind, a simple question about their individuality, you know, this, the, the, a most innocuous question. And he proposed, I wonder if this person, what kind of vegetables this person likes? And I tried this. For a couple of months, I tried this, and it had quite an impact on me, quite an effect. And the, 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 uh, the people that I was othering, it was interesting because, you know, it's like I, 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 uh, I must have been looking at them in a different way or something. You know, it's like I found, I found suddenly that all of these people that I had been othering were suddenly smiling at me and saying hi. And I was like, wow. You know, all I've been doing is asking about vegetables, you know, and this is like changing the dynamic. You know, so it, 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 had a, it shifted me in some way, and that affected, affected their behavior to me too. And so, so these are just some, 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 some things to reflect on there. And just to point to how humbling it is to see these, but you know, to, to just remembering two pieces I'll remind you of, and then we do need to stop. Um, one is that this is human. This othering pattern is human. And it's mostly that we're trying to uncover this and see it for what it is so that we're not just doing it without, without awareness and begin to expose the views and beliefs that are kind of tied to it. And the other is that um, while it is humbling to see this, you know, it, it, um, 
it helps us to recognize, you know, so, so it's everybody does this. And it helps us to recognize too that when we can, we can see this, maybe we're not so different from other people. When we see other people othering people, maybe we can have some compassion for that because we've seen it in ourselves. <laughs> 